Welcome everybody to the Daily News. Marshall Ferguson, Mike Daly, coming to you live from Ferguson Family HQ in Kingston, Ontario. Tonight, I actually have a piano behind me in the background oh. here as we listen to the uh, the piano background for those of you enjoying the show on YouTube. But uh, I drove to Kingston hoping that Friday night there's going to be an Argos Red Blacks game for me to call. And then I started putting together the depth chart with about a thousand names on it. And I was like, forgot this about preseason. Yeah. There's a lot of dudes on. Uh, so again, just for the YouTube crowd, haven't finished filling it in yet, but I have a list of like 90 people. And then I ran out and I had to go another 20 across the bottom for Ottawa oh, yeah. because they're, because they're the home team. I remember calling a tie cats, red blacks preseason game in like 2016 or 17, where Ottawa came out of the tunnel and they were wearing their all black uniforms. And I turned to coach Sal and I said, does that not look like an anthill? <laughs> like they all just ran out all at once. I'm like, there's a thousand people on that field right now. How many are they allowed to dress at home? All of them? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is all of them? I don't uh, even know it, the numbers. It feels like if the rosters are cut to 75, like I feel like we've got at 60 plus guys on the roster. Oh, Toronto's got less by, I would say about 20 two 23 Jeez. names it looks like but i mean even toronto's got a roster that's like the numbers on the uniforms here double zero three six twelve thirteen fifteen sixteen seventeen twenty twenty one twenty one twenty three twenty seven twenty eight twenty nine thirty two thirty four thirty five thirty six thirty seven thirty seven thirty eight thirty nine forty forty one forty two forty three forty six forty seven forty nine Fifty, fifty-three, fifty-four, fifty-six, fifty-six, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-eight, sixty-one, sixty-two, sixty-three, sixty-seven, seventy, seventy-one, seventy-two, seventy-four, seventy-five, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, seventy-nine, eighty-two, eighty-three, eighty-four, eighty-five, eighty-six, eighty-seven, eighty-eight, eighty-nine, ninety, ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-seven. And that's Toronto, and they're the lesser of the two in this game that we hope is going to be happening as we're recording this, because we are recording on Thursday night and we still don't have any update on exactly what's happening. Right. And that's the absolutely crazy part about it. So, I mean, from what I know right now is they're working out and they're going to send to the players to vote on this second amendment of the new CBA. And it's the ratio thing. Listen, if that 49% thing comes in, I feel sorry for whoever's job that is sitting up in the booth going, okay, hold on a second. Uh, and then, and hold on. Nobody knows how many plays are going to be played. 49% 49% is pretty tight. I mean... Yeah, so let's dive in on this because I wanted to ask your opinion on a couple of things before we get to our interview this week with Braylon Addison. And we do got to remind people that, of course, we are brought to you by Fox 40. So get your gear, get your products right there and go to their website, fox40shop.com and use the promo code CFP15 at checkout to get 15% off of your entire order. But there's two main things I wanted to hit with you here, Mike, before we get to BA is one the separation of Canadian American, which we get into a little bit with Braylon, but I wanted to ask your perspective on it because he gave his idea of what it looks like. I want yours. But also when you speak of that 49%, I know that I know there are people in football operations. I know that it's negotiated by the players association in conjunction with the league and football ops and the stakeholders and all of these things. But there's two things that jump out to me with this, that I want your thoughts on. One is like you're saying, it's damn near impossible to track especially in real time, because the way that the the ratio is monitored in the CFL is Ticats play against the Red Blacks on a Saturday night. Within 48 hours, the game participation has to be filed where somebody goes through from the league office, watches every snap and logs every single player that was on the field for every single play. That's how you know that they were honoring the ratio. 
they'll use that same information, I would imagine, to figure out the 49%. But now you're asking people to not only log the names that or the numbers of the people who are on the field, but doing the math on, well, what are they in terms of a roster designation and what percentage of those snaps did they end up playing? That might seem like, oh, you just punch it into the old formula on your computer and it's fine. That's comp- like as somebody who tries to do some numbers play to give analysis, that creates a ton of work and monitoring that in game to your point for each of the teams is impossible, but monitoring it for the league itself, that's crazy to try and get that done in game. And then the other thing that jumps out to me with this is, Again, the proposal that allegedly is the final one the league is going to put to the Players Association here before we all hell breaks loose if they turn it down is it says, well, if we deem that it's working, we can increase the number of naturalized Americans from two to three or whatever it is going into 2023 or 2024. How do you deem if it's working? Because the whole idea of this that I was joking about with DT this week on the breakdown here on CFP was, if you are saying, can you tell the difference between a Canadian and American player? Sometimes you see Sean Oakman or Willie Jefferson, you're like, I don't think that you went to St. Mary's. (laughs) But then there's other times where I see Chris Van Zyl on the field or even yourself. And I'm, I'm looking at you play and I'm like, yeah, he's covering hash to hash, sideline to sideline. Van Zyl looks like he's a 10 year vet. He could have come from LSU. I mean, hell, Peter Diakowski went to LSU. Right. It's like Van Zyl looks like the type of body that could have played anywhere across the landscape of any country or whatever. And so the idea that by putting an extra American on the field for 49% of the snaps because they're a naturalized Canadian, therefore the product of the game is going to be better and the average fan will be able to tell the product of the game is better because that person's on the field for the snap count that we're then trying to measure in real time. It's like, what, what, what a headache. What a headache for everybody involved in this was just, that was my initial feeling when I started seeing that, oh, it's actually still in play. Because I thought this was going to be real simple in the counter proposal. I thought they'd say, you guys don't want the six plus one. We'll go to seven plus one. We'll get rid of the percentages stuff. It'll be the the ratio will not change. We'll just add a naturalized American. We'll get rid of the percentages. And if that would have happened, I feel like it would have been done without having to wait until we're recording here late on Thursday night. And we still don't have an answer. And I think really what the ratio thing is, is at least from my perspective, is it's just Canadians are expensive, hmm. harder to find us, right? Harder to have depth players. That's why you see these linemen that aren't starting, right? Or the special teams players, like they're making more money than an American on his, obviously on his rookie deal or somebody that had an okay season or okay couple seasons. They're going to make more money just because it's harder to find a good quality depth Canadian like the starters yeah absolutely they're great right and you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference but when you're talking about depth the amount of people you can get from the states to come up and I mean you can just get their most recent cuts from the NFL hey come on down right so that's the reason I think they want to get rid of that ratio hence why they don't go oh it's as simple as going from six plus one to seven plus one because now we're not getting anywhere as owners and being able to not pay these guys as much, right? Because we still have to pay the Canadians. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing about that. But in terms of the percentage stuff, I mean, even just for the players, I started thinking like, okay, if you're going to substitute an American for a Canadian, right? The Sure, whatever. Substitute whoever you want. Yep. But everybody you play with, you practice for three days plus walkthrough in film, in meetings, all that kind of stuff. 
how the heck are you going to get any chemistry with who's going to be where at what time in the game and for how long? And I'm telling you what, like you get one new guy, at least in the defensive backfield when I was there, and especially because I was talking to so many people, you get one new guy and all the other five are helping him out. Yeah. Hey, this is kind of how we do stuff. If we do this, if we do that, if this is how it works out. And then a game happens and it's full speed and you are turning and screaming at somebody and they got a clue in like that. And now you're going to say, Hmm, I'll sub you out at, at half or rape one play before half, whatever, you know what I mean? However the heck you'd figure that out. And here comes a new guy, but it's not even half. Like, like you're saying, you don't know how many plays are going to be in the game. And it's like, exactly. you, you could have somebody where you say, I'm going to play you into midway of the third quarter to be safe. And at the midway point of the third quarter, we're going to pull you. Well, the game goes to double overtime. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, Damn. I call, I called a double OT game between, yeah, between Toronto and BC. I called a double OT. I believe it was double OT. It might've just been single OT, but last year in like week 13 and that's why that, and again, it's rare. You only get like two or three OT games a year, typically in the regular season. But if that scenario plays out, at what point do you have somebody who's reaching out down onto the field, screaming for the head coach, like, hey, no, no, you have to get him off the field. You have to. And now you're going back to a Canadian who's been sitting on the sideline for a quarter and a half. Exactly. Or what would probably end up happening is it will be like a second along package. You'll bring in those Americans, right? Yeah. Assuming that second along, you're never going to hit yes. that. I think so it's now that's where it would be, right? Yeah. I think that's what would end up happening. But then again, it's still it's a brand new guy. So then, what do you do? You practice all week with second along with a, a different lineup. And listen, I just hope that everybody looks at it and says that's just a little too much. Well, my my honest hope, my honest hope was because this is the counter proposal to the proposal to the counter proposal is like that. This is the final thing, and my honest hope was that we would get here to Thursday night. And that everybody involved would look at it and go, okay, this whole like naturalized American thing that we, we dealt with last year, where you could have somebody play the first snap of a game, but then if somebody had three to five years experience and they could pop in and, and cover for somebody in the, like that was originally in the previous CBA, something that was suggested by the players association because they wanted more roster continuity and the, to reward the veterans that stay in the CFL and all the rest. It's a good idea. It started as a good idea. It mm -hmm. got bastardized to the point where when we got in season, everybody was like, oh, this is dumb. Why is this here? And I know people in and around the league who said, this is dumb. I wish we wouldn't have gotten it to this point, but it just ended up in the CBA. We're on the verge. And again, for the record, Mike and I both very much want this to just be signed, play football, like let's yeah. get this done and move forward. But we're on the verge of, by the nature of labor negotiations, something that I don't think either side really wants being locked in for seven years. And the, yeah. only, the only thing at the 11th hour that gives me concern here as we're recording this and we don't know if it's approved, which will probably sound ridiculous if it does get approved or it might give some meaning if the worst case scenario happens is the idea that there are guys in and around the league right now talking to each other, group chats, Zooms, otherwise, who are saying, this thing seems really convoluted. It seems like it's going to screw me out of roster bonuses because I'm not going to play 50% or more of snaps, or mm -hmm. it's going to screw me out of a starting position because I'm a Canadian, or even as an American, there's, there might be things they don't like in it. And it's like, it's that last second hesitation of people looking at it and saying, do we as players 
want to be locked into something like this for essentially the rest of our career, because the average football career is not going to last more than seven years. So when you're deciding on this, this then becomes the structure within which you are going to play in this league for the remainder of your time. The other thing that kind of gives me some concern, and I was, I didn't tweet this out because I just thought it was a little bit too much of a, uh, you know, a bleep posting move by me. And it, it seemed like it was more destined for a meme account, uh, but was the idea of young American guy who's a member of the Players Association who doesn't really like the setup. He's gotten his first couple of years in the CFL and he's like, mm, I don't know, that XFL thing seems kind of interesting to me. And he just like slowly turns to the camera like it's the office as he clicks no. <laughs> because he's just like, I'm, I'm just going to throw a grenade into the middle here because I don't know if I'm going to stay here very long. Well, and you know what? To that point is, you know, people are all up in arms. Oh, 30% of the PA didn't vote or whatever the heck it was. It's Yeah, those 30% probably have only been around for about a year hmm. right and probably are like listen i'm just trying to make a team people keep sending me Don't emails care. i'm not looking at the emails no i'm gonna go let i'm gonna go rest i'm gonna go ice i'm gonna go look at my playbook they want me to do what by when nah, i'll be ready for practice tomorrow oh no practice okay well when are we going back up that's what's going on it's not well, i don't care about this i think it's just like no oh, i gotta make a team yeah, that's I'm, what I'm here to do. I'm glad you said that because when I was again talking with DT this week, I said that 30% that didn't vote. If I were to go stand at a CFL practice field and look at the entire swath of all the talent and all the different nationalities that are there and all the ages and all the position groups and all the body types, and all, you cannot tell me that there is not 30% of every roster who just doesn't give a damn what's happening. Right. Like, Which because, is unfortunate because when you get to the situation, like, and you'll hear from Braylon and, you know, and I think of like the naturalized Americans, I think of a guy like Simone, mm -hmm. right? Played with Simone the whole time. I mean, he is absolutely entrenched in Hamilton. Everybody loves him. I want a guy like him, a guy like Big Hill, a guy like Jefferson, a guy like Zach Burnham, uh, these type of guys, they need, I would like to see them get something that helps them stick around, but these guys are going to stick around anyway. Right. A guy like Simone is going to play. I just don't want to see him have to be bounced from a team or see a guy like Big Hill be bounced from a team because they're like, ah, we're kind of moving on. Those guys deserve it. So if we can get some version of a naturalized American, that makes sense. Great. But the whole thing is like, once you get down this road, I mean, it's starting, it's starting to get frustrating. And you can see it be frustrating for these guys because they're like, just at this point, what? Or what are yeah. we voting on? What, you know what, I mean? what like, is the um, what is the actual process like when you are voting on the CBA? I wanted to ask you this because I think everybody has seen from the outside in, like the CFLPA tweeting, "Hey players, there's a new message that's gone to all of your emails. Please check your email." What? It, how does this process actually work in terms of you being able to get the information you need, be educated, and then vote? So I'll, I'll go from the beginning. Yeah. Generally, what the PA does is they'll send out they'll kind of gauge on what the interest level is and where it'll go, but they'll send it out and they'll just ask questions, basic questions. Hey, uh, what do you think about the ratio going from seven to six for against whatever, right? Yes, no. And they'll ask a series of questions like that on everything. You know what I mean? What do you think about the hash marks? What do you think about um, having more per diem? What do you think about, you know, longer or guaranteed contracts or naturalized American. And you just, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then they take that and that's what they bring to the table. So this is kind of what we like. This is why we're going with this. And this is why we want to do this. And then, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> then what ends up happening 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your voice just exploded. You got censored. There you go. A little uh, cough it up. There we go. Before I blast everybody's ears. <laughs> oh, listen. What the? Oh, oh, <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> but then it ends up going. Um, so they submit the proposal and then they'll, what they'll do is they'll outline the proposal. Kind of how you see on Twitter. Right. It'll be like, okay, this, bullet these points. are the changes. Yeah. Bullet points. These are changes, blah, 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 blah. Do you vote in favor? Yes or no? phone favor but they send it out via email hmm. so now you what you see is on twitter it's guys saying hey i'm not getting these emails and then the pa's tweeting out hey we sent out an email so take that 30 percent and now crush it down to whoever's not getting emails you know if somebody has a bad email superballer 69 at hotmail.com isn't working anymore right <laughs> so and that's what they have on file you know what i mean like Braylon, that's probably Braylon's and he's, that's what they have on file for him. But um, no, so that's probably where that 30, some of that 30% comes from. And then that's kind of how you're voting. And I'll tell you what though, when that stuff, when that stuff comes out, people start huddling up in little groups, Hmm. you know what I mean? And groups organized by whatever it might be Canadians, by starters, by vets, by, and the one thing that I thought for sure, because it happened last time at our CBA, as soon as you introduce that ratification bonus, guys are like, yep. Sure. How much money? You're giving me $2,000 right here? Sign. Got it. Deal. And when I saw that they had denied the ratification, or at least the lack of ratification a check, you know what I mean? I think it wasn't enough or something like that. Um, I was like, whoa. Okay. Yeah, so this I- is a little deeper then. I believe they had allocated it to a different place. And then when they said the players want the ratification bonus back in, then they said, okay, well, we're then going to chop $50,000 off the salary cap of each of the nine teams in 2022. And I was like, well, $50,000 per team is not a huge amount, especially when it's spread across a roster. But I do wonder if, if anywhere across the league, you might have a situation of, I want a ratification bonus. Okay. Congratulations. You got your ratification bonus. Cool. Uh, also, we'd like to renegotiate your contract right? because the salary cap has dropped by $50,000 and we've deemed you one of the people that we need to now chop $3,000 off of your contract somewhere, whether it be through bonus or through your base salary. And it's like, oh, but I, I wanted the 3000 up front. Yeah, you got it. Now we have to renegotiate your contract because the salary cap has changed. So well, I don't I can, know if that What I can promise happen. you, though, is I don't think that's at that point. I don't think anybody cares about that. No, I, I don't think I don't think many people think about. It. I think the only ones are that are the PA. But I'll tell you what, that check gets put in your face like that, and guys, especially vets, the ones getting the checks are like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. especially if you don't care. Like we're talking about the guys that don't care. There's a lot of guys out there that are doing it the right way, looking at it, saying, yes, we can't have this because four years down the road, five years, six years down the road, when I'm not playing anymore, it's going to screw you guys over, right? Yeah. And there's well, definitely it- other guys that are like. <laughs> the check the check is king but the last thing i want to ask before we get to our chat with braylon is i'm wondering for you because i had seen some quotes at various places saying you know oh it would it would be tough for me to line up next to the guy uh who was an american who had no you don't believe in any of that because i don't i can't imagine myself as a player being in that mindset you know the dynamic of the cfl locker room so much better but the whole like nationalistic our pride is more important than our team culture thing i just have a hard time believing yeah so there's definitely a divide in and again i was i was in a locker room where and you're going to hear 
Brendan will touch on it a little bit too, is we always had good leadership. Hmm. Kind of always through, through my whole career, we've had really good leadership, but there is still the groups that separate, right? The Americans that separate and say, this ratio thing is bullshit, right? Like, well, why is, why is this guy starting? Why does he have to start James as Wilder the Canadian Jr. on Twitter has been very vocal about, I don't care about the Canadians, let the best players play. <laughs> right. And, but that's, but that's part of it, right? Is that is it's literally like, why is this guy starting? He shouldn't be starting. He shouldn't be playing anywhere, but there's also a lot of guys that once you start playing, it doesn't matter. You're trying to win the game. Yeah. So the whole lining up beside somebody, once, once that whistle's blown, people aren't saying, ah, the Canadian's screwing us. You know what I mean? Or the, or the American doesn't know what he's doing or whatever the heck it might be. The only time I say it would happen is in that locker room where it's kind of like, ah, what? especially for the newer Americans, because they'll come up and be like, wait a minute, what, what kind is the ratio? How does this work? And then they'll kind of explain it that way. I think that's the only time that you'll really see where it's like, uh, you know, an issue of kind of button heads against each other, but it doesn't often come out vocalized. Right. And like I said, once everybody's got everything set up and cuts are made and people are playing very often, it's, Oh yeah, this guy Canadian or not, he can play. It doesn't matter. And whistle blows. We're going. What amount of, um, responsibility would you feel as a veteran Canadian voting on something like this to protect the ratio for future Canadians playing in the Canadian football league? Yeah. And I'm, I'm biased about it. And I would, I would absolutely feel like I have to protect them. Um, mainly because I was probably protected by the ratio, right. To be able to get drafted in late round which if you cut down one or two ratio spots, that's a lot of people that are now not needed. A lot of Canadians that are now not needed. So for me to get picked up in a late round and then, you know, kind of develop slowly, right. Get special teams really my first year and then only get any sort of playing time in my second year. um, It it protected me, I bet. Right. And it protects a lot of people and people don't want to admit that because it's one of these things are, you know, puff your chest out kind of thing, but I would feel personally, and I'm sure most people do, um, that you do need to protect those future Canadians because I just worry about it. And, and again, I've wanted to have this conversation. I have this conversation with a lot of people off air, but in terms of the ratio, like it is tough to organize in my mind on why we need it. I don't think it would kill grassroots football because I think kids love playing football anyway. Right. Most kids that are young are watching the NFL. If they are watching CFL, great, but they are watching the NFL too. So I think they're going to play. I think a lot of kids would go to university and that would be the end of the road if there was no more ratio. But I think they would still like, and do you agree with me, Marsh? Would you have continued just playing all the way to university and been like, yeah, I'm. I always knew of the CFL when I was growing up. I was aware of it. I went to a couple of games here and there. It didn't connect with me, but Tom Brady did. Right. Right. And, and uh, so as much as, and this is an unpopular opinion among CFL fans and really CFL diehards, because now that I'm more educated on the game, I believe that our game is as entertaining and as enjoyable as theirs. Um, so it's really not a competition of the head to head to head. But when you say, you know, our kids are watching the NFL, people will say, oh, that's uh, how dare you? No, it's because it's more available. 
like right. we do we do a lot of things to try and promote the game through tsn and, and cfl.ca and the thing, places that i work the reality is when you open up twitter if there's anything big happening in the nfl it's the news of the day like antonio yeah. brown running off the field for the buccaneers dominated major network television in the united states for a week on every channel because it was the topic and so it's just it's it's a difficult monster to battle against but to your point yeah people are still going to play football um it would certainly have uh i think an impact on how seriously people took football because like you've talked about before mike you get to your third year you do the east west thing you head towards the draft and you start to realize oh i can make a career out of this i can make money i can actually you know build my family off of football and I can stay in the game and I might get into coaching or I might get into broadcasting. I might, you can build yourself. And I'm a good example of this. Like I never had a chance to play in the CFL, but I just, I grew a love for the game where I was like, I want to stay around it no matter what. And that led me down this path of broadcasting and covering it and, and analysis and all of this. But really for me, it was born from, well, I grew up watching Brady and loving the game. I could have gone other directions with my life when I was in university if I had no way of staying connected to the game, but I did through broadcasting. If mm-hmm. you don't have the chance to stay close to the game through a different venture like broadcasting or analysis, and you know that you're not going to have a chance at the CFL, my question, I guess, at the grassroots level is if a kid has a chance to, uh, I don't want to say enjoy the university experience more, but um, not have all the things that put stressors on you and you just want to get your education, move on and, and have a, a happy life. I wonder if that carrot at the end of the stick isn't there how much impact that would have. Um, and again, it's theoretical. We don't have an answer for that. But right. that's something that I always struggle with when we have these conversations about protecting those jobs is uh, I do think that there would be an impact there. I do. As, as much as I talk about wanting this to be ratified and let's move forward and all the rest, the responsibility note for you as somebody who has directly benefited from the ratio and you saying that you have a responsibility to future generations of Canadians because you want to protect jobs for them this is why this is such a sticking point. This is why this has been such a contentious issue that has led to a strike and a lack of ratification and beyond is because there's a lot of Mike Daly's in the league who want to do things for the right reason in their mind. In their mind, it's about protecting the Canadianity of the CFL. Yeah. And I think I, I talked with Aki about it, but I think the things you don't see is, you know, uh, a guy like Aki going back and running football camps in Waterloo. Yes. Right. And that's just, if you start slowly diminishing the ratio, then maybe those aren't being run. Then kids are maybe moving to the NFL even more or more exclusively. Right. And maybe not going to a Ticats game, maybe not going to an Argos game, wherever you might be. Um, but to have those guys come back and be coaches, right? Like some of these guys are coaches at, you know, 12 years old. And, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? To have guys that get more involved like that, I think it helps for sure. But I mean, listen, if the ratio protected me and, <laughs> and helped me out and helped me play, and then I feel like I would have to have a, a same thing for, for somebody growing up. And, and again, I get it. I get it on the American side, man. Yeah. I do because they come up here and they're like, man, I should, especially the guys that aren't playing and are like, why, why is this receiver starting over me? Yep. You know what I mean? He's like, I get that part. But again, I'm, I have a, I feel like I have some, 
some bias. No, I, I, and, but I think being transparent about your bias and being honest of how you feel and, and the way that you envision the league moving forward, I think is meaningful. So again, all of this entire conversation is probably null and void by the time that people are listening to it on, on, on Friday <laughs> right, morning. No updates but, yet on the phone? Uh, um, but yeah, it's, I still have nothing, although I did just get a text from a GM in the league that says, uh, my flight got delayed uh, and it has no Wi-Fi. Can you tell me when the ratification goes through? <laughs> Look at you. See, so the players figure it out from Twitter and then now GMs, they don't want to look at Twitter. They want, they want to come in direct from the source, although they don't know. Yeah. That all you have is far on on location. <laughs> there you go. See, I'm just the, I'm the middleman. That feels very dirty, I must say. But uh, <laughs> I do love. By the way, I did watch back and listen back to you last week with Chris Hackey, and you guys said that I big timed you because I was doing stuff and you know going to big dinners. I'm yeah, sitting at my I'm sitting at my parents' house in Kingston right now alone. Um, prepping for a game we didn't even get depth charts until today because we didn't know if the game was going to be played or not so uh hey you don't have to you don't have to go live at your parents for a week just to make it seem like you didn't big time us because we both know that's exactly what you did (laughs) trying to offset my big timeness i guess from (laughs) from last week but uh all right let's get to our interview with braylon addison here the hamilton tiger cats uh one of the most interesting guys that i've been around uh in my time covering the cfl such an enjoyable conversation i'm glad that mike was able to uh, to get them all hooked up and uh, we hope that you enjoy the conversation on the daily news right here on canadian football perspective you're my favorite twitter account in all of the cfl because you're a mixture of batman uh, video right. games, CFL mm-hmm. football, and you yeah. saying previously on ballers, uh, wh- whatever show you're watching, that's going <laughs> on. That's, that's what you're hooked up on and what you're all diving into, but man, your social is so good. I hope people realize that. Yeah, man. I mean, I try to stay engaged, man. I try to, you know, be a guy like, you know, if people want to chat and, you know, say something to me, I try to engage back as much as I can. You know, there are the, the wild people out there that I try not to engage with, but like, <laughs> It's like, you know, just something to, you know, shoot the stuff about. I try to engage and respond. I mean, it's supposed to be fun, you know? And it's it's cool because it's exactly who you are. Like, it's not, you know, some sort of front on social media, whatever. It's like if what you're seeing on Twitter, that's what you get out of Braylon anytime, any day, whatever he's doing. He's just down to earth, hanging out, probably thinking about Marvel, something like that. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then just going to play football in his spare time. Yeah, dude, I've uh, I've actually watched the Batman probably, especially since training camp started. I, I, I would say a solid, in training camp alone, probably a solid four times, honestly. Is Pattinson any good? I was actually very surprised and pleased with him. Like, very. Like, I think he's... I, I didn't think he would have the, the, the acting range to do it, but... Like seeing him play the Batman after like all the roles I know him from, hmm. like seeing him play the Batman, like I think he like can be in that like that category we talk about as like one of the, the all time people. Like once his career is like you know down the line, because like the way he the way he portrays that role, man, it, it was like it was amazing. Like half of the time I did until he came out of the suit, I didn't realize it was him. Yeah, and it's it's totally fair uh, on your part because you've actually seen. I actually haven't dove into it yet, but for me. I read some of the reviews and it was like, yeah, he's like this dark moody version of, and I was like, no, I want like my Batman to be like action figure Batman. Like I got when I was a kid, which was like badass and like Bruce Wayne, I'm just going to take on everybody. And 
And I was like, I don't really know if I, like, I got enough moodiness in my own life. I don't need to go see my <laughs> Batman be that guy. Right. I, I, I honestly think like, cause going into it, I had the same kind of expectations, you know, mm-hmm. like what we've seen on screen of Batman all our lives is, you know, a certain type of Bruce Wayne billionaire bachelor who's like, you know, he's, he's the stuff. And then he switches over to the, the, the Cape Crusader. And then it's like, you got this patent saying, I don't want to give it away cause you haven't seen it, but it's like, it's definitely a different feel, but you can appreciate it. I think like once okay. you see it, you can appreciate it. So it's, it's not, it's not bad at all. Hey, how's, uh, how's camp been so far with living in res you know, you guys have been out there quite a bit now, so I'd imagine all the joints, everything's kind of starting to to swell up on you and things don't feel the nicest. Are you in your, first of all, are you in your Cadillacs yet? <laughs> I'm not in them just yet, <laughs> but funny enough, when you when you DM'd me on Twitter and we were, you know, chopping it up the other day and you said, oh, are the legs there yet? And when I told you they almost there, like today, I literally thought about you today when we were, you know, day three, day I was practicing, I was like, man. I think Mike jinxed me. <laughs> so today, I, I think I ran a curl out today, and I was like, ah, like there, there, there she goes. There goes those old camp legs. But it's been good, man. It's, you know, it's good to to get back and like be a part of like a non non COVID like type of training camp and just be, right. be around guys and see people's faces and shake people's hands, especially like people around McMaster. You know, I think um, pretty much right now, like it's a downtime for them. So just having us around, I think they enjoy it too. So. It's been fun, man. You know, last year with COVID going on and all that stuff, it was training camp was kind of weird, you know. So yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. You weren't around anybody, but I mean, and and the reason I ask is, you know, you start looking at, I mean, at least I know from the guys in the DB room and what who you guys have in the wide receiver room, I'd imagine it's pretty good competition out there, right? Like, I mean, geez, we brought Rich back, Darby's there. I mean, and there's some depth there at the DB. And receiver, I mean, everybody that was young, like Dunbar, all these guys are another year. You're back, you're healthy, all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, one on ones, at least early on, because you know they don't keep going during camp, or else everybody'd be dead. But uh, I mean, I imagine it's pretty competitive, isn't it? Yeah, no, nah, for sure. I was uh, funny enough. I was talking to the young guys the other day. It's funny I can say that now that I'm not a young guy. Anymore, but I was talking to them. I was just saying I, I'm how excited I am for them to like you know get some preseason action because like you know last year those young guys didn't get that opportunity. But, um, you know, to you speaking about the competition and practice, like, I mean, you know how we how we are here. Like, it's all competitive. Oh, yeah. Like, we love each other at the end, but it's, it's competitive during the period. So, um, just seeing the young guys come in and be thrown into the fire, like, fresh off of a strike. And then, you know, like, we were striking and it was like some, you know, voluntary workouts we were doing together. And, like, the, the vibe was relaxed and everybody was, hey, hey, how you doing? How's your day? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run this curl route. I'm jogging. You know, and then, like, day one at training camp, it's like, boom. Like, everybody's like, oh, I'm on you now. Like, you know, so <laughs> um, just having that competition every day, I think it's been super fun, like I said, to get it back, especially in this environment. Everybody's in the dorms. Like, you know, you're competing against a guy one day, and then, like, two hours later, you're eating lunch with him. Um, I think it's been good, man. It's been fun. Yeah, that's that's the coolest part about camp. But, I mean, you mentioned the strike. Um, how, how much is that wearing on you guys right now? Like, all this – I mean, because I'm sitting here at my house – my kids are running around. I'm reading on Twitter the same way most people in the league get their information on Twitter, which is wild, right? But I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm looking at it going, oh, my God, man, this is exhausting. And you guys are trying to practice and do training camp, and you're like, oh, what's going on with our league now once you get off the field? How's that like? Is it 
you know, is it wearing on you guys at this point? Is it annoying? Does it matter? Which, by the way, uh, I will say, BA, just before you answer, I do have Nailer and Farhan set to mobile alerts. So, and we're, we're recording <laughs> this right now. It's 8.47 p.m. on Thursday, May 26th. So if anything happens, you will get live reaction from us here on air. Okay, I just want to point that out. Hey, dude, I, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's been every break, like, between every meet, I'm checking my phone and refreshing. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm, like, I'm one of the guys, I'm eager because, like, you know, last year I missed the whole year, basically. Like, I played three games. So, like, you know, I'm definitely down to fight for the cause and, like, be with everybody and everything. But at the end of the day, like, I want to play. You know, I'm, I, I want to play. So, like, to, to answer your question, Mike, it's been – I think it's been a mix, man, you know, like, Definitely being able to go out to practice every day and be able to compete and be around the guys, like, it's that distraction for those two and a half hours that we get. But then, like you said, like, right after practice, I think everybody's on their phone, like, okay, what's happening? Like, you know, like, because a lot of the stuff we're finding out from Twitter or, you know, we've been in practice, so we haven't checked our email, and then we get on the on the telephone after practice, and we got Twitter updates, you know? So, um, you know, I think it's been an interesting dynamic just to be a part of, because you remember in 2019, we striked, and it was like, we started like, oh, we're not practicing tomorrow. And then we went in our rooms and like 30 minutes later, it was knocking like, hey, practice is on tomorrow, you know? So, um, and this is my first time being a part of like a real strike. So it was interesting to kind of have to work through the dynamic. But, um, you know, I think everybody's in good spirits. Everybody's happy to be back playing football, man. I think, you know, everybody's hopeful and, you know, optimistic that this thing will get going, so. Yeah, and I guess the idea of it too is, you know, Right now, it's I'd imagine for the players, you know, missing a couple of days of training camp is, you know, maybe guys are happy about it. You know what I mean? Missing a preseason. I mean, I'm just going to say you don't have to agree. You can do whatever you want over on that side. But I know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, but, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not mad about one less prospect. <laughs> I'll admit to that. <laughs> but I mean, like what I also do know is when it's something as, you know, as controversial i guess for lack of a better word as the ratio stuff right? right you being american you know me being a canadian and playing in there that that's a tough thing that's a tough thing to work around right because listen i see it from both sides i see how the american guys look at it and i see how the canadian guys look at it and for that really to be the sticking point from what it seems like right. i mean it's an easy way to get divided, but what are you guys doing to make sure that doesn't happen? Because at the end of all of this, whatever that ratio is, zero, seven, ten, you still got to win a great cup, right? And you need everybody that's on that team. So, like, how's that dynamic with you guys? I mean, yeah, you, you hit it on the head, man. I think it's it's tough because, like you said, I am American, but like you know, me and you, we built a relationship while while you were here, and you know, I'm friends with a lot of Canadian guys on the team, so it's definitely that sticky situation where. You know, I kind of felt like for a moment it was seeming like it was trying to be like a pit the Canadian versus Americans thing, you know. And so, like, I think we had some guys in the in the locker room as leaders that stepped up and said, hey, like, you know, I get it. You know, every somebody, you're Canadian, I'm American. Like, at the end of the day, we're both here for the same common goal. We both want to come together and win a great cup. And once it's all, it's all over, whether that's on Monday or today or next week or next month, whenever it's over, at the end of the day, we still got to come together and be a team, you know. So, um, like you said, as a personal person, everybody's going to feel entitled to their own opinion. But I think it's just, you know, it's what we signed up for. You know, everything at the end of the day is, is bigger than just you. So um, I think when you got guys in the locker room that's got vets and got guys that can kind of, hey, 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 let's calm it down. You know, it gets chippy or whatever. Um, even in practice, you know, just competing. I think that's the th funny thing is like you, you've been a part of our practice. It's like you know how chippy it gets in practice. So. You know, when it's like that, as far as this ratio thing goes, or if it's going to be seven or eight or zero or whatever, I think it's kind of 
good to have those veterans in the room that can kind of say, hey, we're still on the same team at the end of the day. And uh, I think once this thing is done and like the stress of it all, just wondering whether this is going to happen or that is going to happen, I think it'll be good for both the players and the league. Like I think everybody, even the fans, I think everybody just needs that stress to go away of, hey, yeah. football back, you know? I think you have a great perspective on it, B.A., because, like, you you recognize that there is friction there. You don't deny it. There's a lot of guys I've seen that are like, this isn't even a thing. I don't know what anybody's talking about. It's like, no, there is friction there. Mike knows it. I know it without even playing in the league. It's always been there. And this has brought it to the forefront because it's been the issue. Like, the ratification stuff is like the bonus, whatever. It's like, sure, yeah, you want some money in your pocket. Obviously, guys Thank want that. Check. Yeah, whether you're Canadian, American, otherwise, like, people like money up front. I would love money up front for calling games. I don't get that. I would love a bonus. That's just, that's human. But then to be able to actually say, we have people in the room who are veterans. And I imagine from knowing the Ticats culture, a little bit of some of who those veterans are that would have spoken up. Like that's crazy important because if you, if you have a group, like I'm, I'm not cherry picking on whatever team, but I'm just thinking Edmonton. Like, I don't know who Edmonton's real vocal outgoing leader is. I've seen Nick Arbuckle talking in the, in the media being a leader, but Taylor Cornelius is starting the preseason game. But on defense, you got all these new bodies. And I'm like, man, that that situation would be really difficult if you didn't have the right people in place to try and get everyone on the same page. Because the other thing about it, too, is if you don't talk about it and you act like it doesn't exist, it only gets worse. Right. Yeah, definitely. man. I think that's like you hit the nail on the head. Also, man, I think that is a big thing. Like, I feel like we're very fortunate to have those guys that have been there and that that, that experience that has experienced that Taikat culture and that know that Taikat culture and know that Taikat way. And we've had guys that have been here that have gone other places and left or that have had guys that are veterans in this league that are now on our team that have been in other places and they get here and they feel how different it is. So, um, like you said, it is a thing. Like, you know, we can't run from it at the end of the day. Like, I'm an American. I want to play. I, you know, just a random name. Uh, David Unger, he's a Canadian. He wants to play. You know well, I mean? allegedly, we don't actually know if Unger is Canadian. I mean, he went to, he went to Idaho. Like, yeah. it, it's a whole thing. I don't know. Fake Canadian. Yeah. Everybody wants to play. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it doesn't bother me when guys get, you know, sensitive about the subject. And I think that's what I mean when I say I won't say the name, but I feel like at a point in time, a certain group of people were trying to make it a thing to where it was like a division to where it's like Canadian versus American, where – you know, like I said, of course, the Americans, we want to play. But at the same time, we get it. Like, this is the Canadian Football League. And every other league around the world that's not the NBA or the NFL or the MLB that's, you know, in a foreign country or whatever, they also have a ratio. You know, if you go to play basketball in China, there's not going to be a 15 a roster full of 15 Americans on the team. You know what I mean? So um, we, we definitely get it, man. I think everybody, just like I said, we just want this thing to be over so we all can come together and try to, you know, do that ultimate thing, which is compete for a great cup. Unger, I mean, if he, his dad, his dad coached with June Jones, and he gets like I'm, I'm getting, I'm sitting there on the draft night, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't. This guy showed up on the draft a couple of days ago. The eligibility list. June is like, you know what, eleventh overall, I'm in because I know his dad. I'll take him. I was like, come on, man. Anyways, go yeah, ahead, Ellie. June's a hometown guy, man. He's a hometown guy. He's a hometown guy. He's a hometown guy. He's a- He's a friendly guy, man. If you have a connection to June Jones, he's going to make sure he, he takes it. Oh, back. yeah. You're always getting that call if you got that connection. That's for sure. But I'll tell you one thing. That the other thing when I was looking at all this stuff, the CBA, that as soon as any of the ratio talk gets, if you guys want to get everyone together, start talking about them trying to introduce padded practices during the season. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you what. You want to get 
you want to get a team bonding over, you guys can sit down in a room, talk about these padded practices on week, let's uh, say 17. You know what I mean? No, that's gonna <laughs> that's not gonna fly, man. Because I mean, and I just said it. I laughed because I'm like, are you in your Cadillacs yet? Well, I'll tell you what, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Week 12 and on, and that might even be too long. Everybody's in their Cadillacs. Now, I'd imagine some coaches are going to be smart about it, but when you guys heard that, was everybody just kind of like, you guys hearing this? Padded practices? <laughs> like, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm not sure if y'all saw my tweet, but I definitely was one of the guys you're talking about. I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I saw it. Because you, you've been here. Like, you 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 are a part of that culture I was talking about, the Ticat way. When people think of Mike Bailey, they think of the Ticat way. And you know how we practice. So, you know, I'm sitting there reading on Twitter as I do, and I'm sitting there sitting there seeing the rumors. And at first I thought it wasn't true. So when I saw, like, I don't know who I saw reported first, but somebody reported, like, that the CFL, you know, wanted to incorporate padded practices. And I'm just like – about that after that second bye week in September, we come back and coach oh, we got day two, we in the past. I'm like, oh <laughs> hell, you know. But um, you know, at the end of the day, like I know for sure Coach O, he's gonna be smart about it. He's not gonna be one of the guys that abuses it. I, honestly, I thought about some of the coaches that probably would abuse it. You know, that's what I honestly like initially I was like, Patty practice is no way, you know, and then I was like, Coach O wouldn't, that's not him, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be smart. Like I know. We're going to be in him for sure. I'm not saying we're not going to be in him. We're going to be in him. But he's not going to be that guy who's going to abuse the situation because he's been there. You know, 12-year vet, we know his story, and he's been one of those guys who's been in the locker room. So um, we know he'll take care of us. And I think that's what kind of gave guys the comfortability to be like, uh, you know, if it's a give-and-take situation. You know what I mean? If they're mm -hmm. going to do us padded practices, incorporate them back. Because I do understand, like, you know, as a receiver, they ask us to block sometimes. And sometimes when we don't have pads, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I'm not paid to do that. I'm not paid to block when I don't have pads on. So I can understand for an offensive lineman or defensive lineman to be banging up against each other with no pads on for 21 weeks. And then the coaches have to evaluate this to see like, hey, you know, this guy might have to be up this week. Um, I can understand how it can be so difficult. So I see it from both sides. Um, I think guys, you know, just worried about coaches abusing that power. So. Um, you know, I think yeah. we're pretty much past that now. So I guess, you know, like I said, by 11 p.m. tonight, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah. And and I mean, so the pad of practice, what people have got to understand is, you know, you can practice pretty hard with no pads. And a lot of people do all season long, even O-linemen. I mean, you go look at Dylan Wynn practice on day threes and you're going to say it does not matter if this guy's wearing pads or not. He's right. ready to go. Right. But the thing is, is you know, maybe it saves a couple guys from like an elbow into a chest or whatnot. But the other thing is nobody's tackling anyway, not even in training camp. The only thing that's there is preseason and that's two games and how many reps each guy gets. But that's huge for, and this is kind of tying all back into you because when you, it's hard to evaluate guys when you're not tackling, when you're not hitting like that. And you specifically, your skill set is put pads on and try to tackle Braylon. In practice, it's, okay, Braylon caught a hook, came down, tag. Oh, yeah, in my head, got him, tackled him. All of a sudden, a game gets turned on, right? Braylon catches a hook. Guy comes down, perfect position. Damn, miss a tackle. Next guy, damn, miss a tackle. Fall forward for 12. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the hard thing, I think, in training camp. And, and 
you know, maybe this isn't a you question, but kind of what you see. How do you evaluate guys like that? Because without those tackling, without those padded practices, it's hard to see that unless they're in a preseason or they get put into a game at some point during the season, right? Like how when you were going through it, I'm sure in your NFL tryouts, right? Same thing. It's like they don't know what I can do with the ball in my hands. So how do you try to show that? Yeah, man, that's why I said I, I'm I'm sensitive to it because, like I said, I understand what the coaches want to see because there are guys that – when I say this, I don't want the term to be misunderstood, but not practice – I would consider myself as I'm not a practice player. Like, when you watch me on film and practice, like, I won't flash on film. Like, I don't run a 4-3. I'm not 6-5. I'm not going to be catching over – guys all day on the top of the helmets you know what I mean like you said my game is like when I get the ball I'm good in space and I feel like there's a lot of guys who are you know whether offensive players who are, are good in space or defensive players who are physical guys that you know he might not cover the best but you know when it, the ball's at the catching point he's a physical DB and he can break up the ball easier than most people can or uh, a linebacker who can come in down, come down and he can lay the hat a little bit, you know what I mean? Or, or offensive lineman who can pancake people really well. Um, I think that is a thing where as I, after my emotions went down of like, oh no, padded practice, no way. After my emotions went down and I calmed down, I could kind of relate to it because like you said, in my NFL career or even like probably ever since college, I haven't really been able to display my skills in a, in a practice setting. Um, you know, in 2018, when I first got here to Hamilton, like, you know, guys didn't really know what I could do until I got on the field. You know what I mean? So um, I'm definitely sensitive to it. And I understand what it comes from and what it stems from and how they want to be able to see, like, because maybe so if I do catch a hook in practice, like you said, and somebody tags off, maybe a guy with pads on, you know how people get when the pads come on, he might accidentally bump me. And you can see I got that balance to stay up and, and balance through contact or something like that, you know. So um, I definitely understand. I think, um, you know, once once year or two passes by, I think guys will get over it. Like at the end of the day, I mean, you wear pads anyway in football. So um, I think it was just an initial reaction because, like you said, when week 12 comes on and I got the Cadillac on <laughs> the jersey, you know, it feels good. <laughs> but putting on shoulder pads and then I'm like, ah, should I even put the Cadillacs on? It might not matter, you know. So. Um, I'm definitely excited to see where it goes. If like, like I said, if this goes how I hope it will, uh, I'm definitely interested to see how to, it'll play out. Just quick point on that, Braylon, about like your skill set and being able to show it. You were in practice with the Ticats. I'm there every day covering the team with radio. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, nice resume. I always love watching Oregon. So finding out that there was an Oregon guy that got signed, I'm like, this is fun. This is cool. Fits in the system. Didn't really right. know much about you. Didn't know what to think of you. And then in overtime at BC, I think I've told you this before, you caught that little crossing route. Right. And you like bounced off two guys, ducked under a third, dove forward, and like Mike saying, fell forward. And it was like a gain of six on second and four in overtime or whatever it was. Right. And I'm calling the game. And I don't even think at the moment I realized I, like how important, how difficult that was. Like you got first contact four yards away from where you had to be. And there were three guys in orange and black that were coming to hit you again. And you were like, bounce, 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 somehow find a way to first down. It was like, whoa. Right. It, right. And you don't get a chance to show that stuff in practice to your point. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing for me. Like I said, is just not being able to have that opportunity to show in practice. Like Mike said, even with pads, we still won't tackle or have contact to that degree. But, um, you know, I think that's a part of my game that uh, I, I've even seen Coach O say in an article is like, you know, I like I'm not the guy who's going to flash on film like in practice. Like I'm not going to run by people all night or catch the ball over the top of people all night. But in the game, I have a, a way of getting open 
And when I get open and catch the ball, it's pretty hard to bring me down. So um, I definitely, you know, I, like I said, as a veteran and now being in the game for a little while, I am kind of like, ah, Patty practices. But <laughs> I can definitely adhere to the fact that the sensitivity of why yeah. it may need to be in the game, you know? Yeah, and I mean, even for, for guys like you, I mean, it's still going to be, you know, Cadillacs and pads, whatever, right? It's going to be <laughs> chilling, right? But well, I'm talking about, like, especially some of the guys. Because, I mean, you know, Braylon, I mean, there's guys that you can – you can't really tell in practice, but as soon as you put pads on, you can kind of say, oh, yeah, mm. he'll never be a player. Or, oh, yeah, this guy this guy can hang with some people, you know what I mean? But right. – Listen, I wanted I, I do want to get to one thing because we had a conversation last year and this was this was pretty big for the type of person you are is and if, if you want to avoid the conversation you can we can bounce to something else. But last year you got hurt, right? Unfortunate year for you happens, you sign up for it. Right. Um you come back, you had an unbelievable game. I believe it was Ottawa. Uh, when you came back and you ended up hurting your hamstring again, which kind of put you Dude, out until I, I was calling, I was calling that game on TV. And in the first quarter, would you have like five, you like five catches on five targets for like a hundred yards. You cut that long one over the middle and that's when the hammy went. And I was like, I can't show it on television. Right. I was actually pissed. Yeah. Like I was actually angry, Mike, because I'm watching him and I'm like this. I love watching this dude ball. I love the way this game is trending. We have this incredible storyline to be able to talk about. And then it's like, he disappears to the locker room and it's like Shinetti says, well, he's questionable, probably not going to come back. And I'm like, why? Right. Why? Because it was so it's such a fun first quarter to see you doing that again. Yeah. And man. on the sideline, man, on the sideline, it was everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make a little run with Braylon back here. Right. But to continue on with it. Right. I mean, so hamstring gets hurt. You felt great, clearly, because of how you were playing. Uh, right. We all on the sideline were like, this is this is what we need, man. This is right. We need Berlin back at this time. And then unfortunately a hamstring, right? So we're talking in a locker room and I mean, later on in the year, it must've been maybe for the Montreal game. Cause you and I were in the same situation, right? But are we going to be up? We're kind of healthy. Can they put us back quick or not? And they both kind of told you and I the same thing. Hey, we're going to look to roll with the guys we have because they've been going for so long. All right. And for you, a guy that all-star, arguably the best player on the offense, can do so much, can change the offense. I mean, for you to be able to turn that around and act the way you did, and people don't understand this, you were about you were more supportive than any guy there, right? right. And you just kind of got told, and now you're going to come back out, sign back with the tie catch, you're here again, you're going to have an f- unbelievable season. I know it. But what kind of mental capacity does that take at the end of that season? And again, if you want to just glaze over it, we can, we can move on. But what, how tough was that? Because, I mean, I saw it personally, but you going through that, what, what was that like? And then for you to, you know, switch right away and be like, we got to win a great cup. Yeah. No, nah, man, was, uh, I definitely want to skip over it, man. You know, Marsh knows, and you know, I'm, I'm an open guy. So uh, it's, it's a, it was crazy, man, like just coming into camp and having a knee injury that I didn't know about and then, you know, trying to battle back and getting back from a knee injury that I didn't know about. And, you know, the therapy the therapy staff did a, a hell of a job and, you know, helped me get back. And then I come back and, you know, I played the first game against Montreal and then the second game against Toronto. And, like, you know, it's there because, you know, I have some talent. And then, 
you know, after that bye week and, and getting some more time and then coming back to that Ottawa, I really start to feel myself like, okay, like, you know, I'm starting to feel myself kick in. And then going into the game that week, like, I felt good and, you know, just one of those freak accidents, you know, and it happened. And I just remember, like, catching the ball and, like, feeling like, I don't know, it felt like somebody, like, grabbed my leg and just pulled everything out of the back of it. And it was just, like, I never felt that like that before. So, um, like, immediately I'm like, I'm done. Like, you know, like, immediately in my head I'm like, I'm done. Like, I've never felt like this before. I'm done. And, uh, you know, when I found out the hamstring was torn and, you know, I did all that rehab to get back and try to get back again to help the team, man. And, um, you know, I vividly remember the day I sat down with Coach O. And because uh, I, I remember um, those last couple of weeks against Sask, you know, I remember, like, wondering, like, should I go ask the coaches, can I play against, you know, this rehearsal game against Sask just to, you know, try to get some reps. And uh, obviously I got turned down. They were like, nah, we want to, you know, give you another week to get you healthy. And, uh, you know, we were praying somebody had to lose so we could hopefully get the bye. Then we didn't. Then we needed Montreal to lose so we can get the home playoff game. So I'm like, okay, you know, Montreal, let's do it. And I, I think I I think Shanetti, I saw Shanetti on the sideline in that SAS game that night, matter of fact. He was like, how you feeling? And I remember looking at him, I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'll be back next week. Like, you know, I'm, I told him, like, I'm going to be back next week. And uh, <laughs> so I remember, like, going into Montreal, they were like, nah. You know, Berkey was like, we're going to give you another week. I'm like, okay, cool. I understand. So, like, now I'm feeling crappy because I looked Shanetti in his eyes and told him, like, yeah, I'll be back next week. And then, like, they are like, nah, we're going to give you another week. Who cares about that? It breaks out all over Twitter and everything. Like, Jordan Addison said he's coming back next week or whatever. And so, you know, I mean, uh, we play Montreal. And obviously, I'm not going to lie, I stayed home because it was, like, snowing and freezing cold that day. I stayed home and watched the game. <laughs> So I'm like yelling at the TV, like every every little thing that didn't go wrong, everything that went right. I'm yelling at the TV, like because obviously, like I wanted to get to next week so I can play. So yeah. I'm like yelling at the TV, like telling this person, "You better do this, you better do that." And <laughs> they can't hear me, but I'm hyped, man. And uh, I just remember, like after we went at Montreal game, like I just remember, like not being able to sleep because I was so excited. It's like Toronto for the East final. Like what better could you want? And uh. I just remember going into practice like that Monday and like I hadn't talked to anybody, you know, it was just kind of like the day was going on as normal. So like I started feeling kind of weird and uh, I just remember going up to coach O and I just asked him like, I mean, my plan or no. And he broke it down to me, the situation and kind of said, he was just like, yo, look, um, you know, we, we hit a stride at the end of the season and, you know, it's not a knock to you, but we're going to go with the guys that we've been rolling with and it's been working. And, uh, you can ask Coach O, man. I like literally like in his face, I broke down crying because like Mike, you know me, man. You know how competitive I am and how bad I wanted. Like, especially after 2019, like I wanted yeah. it so bad to just be a part of it and play and win a great cup. And, you know, having Coach O telling me that like after two injuries and not being able to come back and play and help the team. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, it was like a little personal thing, too, because I just for myself, like, you know, but as it as it would be, though. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, like, obviously, I want to help the team and so many guys like you, Taylor Run, Speedy B, Masoli, Simone, like Chris Van Zyl, all these guys that have been here that have put the work in and like, you know, we, we are at home in Hamilton for the Great Cup and all these things that was, you know, a week, it was a week ahead, but it was it was in that mirror of like looking forward to be able to like have a chance to compete for that. It was like I wanted to be a part of that. And uh, like the first couple of days, it was tough on me, man. Like I would go home and like, like cry every day. Like I would, 
like I for probably like the first three days I cried like day one day two day three I was at home crying and mm-hmm. then uh, finally like around day four like it just kicked in because at the end of the day the goal was still win the great cup you know and so um I just wanted to try to help that in any way I could and I, I was doing scout team I was doing whatever you know because I understood that yeah may I may not have been a part of actually physically playing in the you know east final or in the great cup but you know at the end of the day like if we won a great cup in hamilton like first team to do that and i don't know maybe the history or in a long time like my name was still going to go in the great cup and that's kind of what i just thought about it was like you know at the end of the day it's not just about me it's about how can i be a veteran in this room and look somebody in the eyes every day and tell them the tie cat way and standard over feelings and all these things we have on the board that we we preach every day. You know, we preach every day. And then because I'm hurt and now Coach O told me, like, we're going to go with the guys that we've been rolling with. How could I look myself in the mirror first and then look other guys in the eyes and be upset and not try to help them any way I could? So it was just a thing, like, man, it's just like, you know, I had to get it out. And Coach O told me he understood. Like, he, he's been a player. He understood how hard it is to come back from injury. And you know yourself. Um, sorry to go so long, but – um, hey man, it was, it's like, good. it was like I just it just snapped to me honestly. It was like at this point, the way I can help myself get a championship is be the best teammate I could be. And that was really it, man. It was just I don't know. It was just like a a, a switch flip to be honest. And man, it it showed. I mean, everybody kind of clued in, and you know, we all knew what you're going through at the time emotionally, right? Everybody's kind of been there at some point or not, but. I mean, to see see how you kind of bounce back. But the nice thing is, is this year in the zero, in the zero, it's going to look sweet. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I am super excited to see what it looks like. I'm super excited to see how many different ways you can get the ball. Super excited to see you take a couple snaps up your center, running back, whatever it's got to be, but I'm excited to see it. I know you're going to have an absolute amazing year, man. And, what do we got? What is this? I'm putting together my depth chart for Toronto, Ottawa, which I'm calling on Friday night. Fingers crossed it's happening because I haven't gotten a mobile alert yet. Uh, and I, I, I'm so happy that you're just going to – because zero goes at the very top of the list, B.A. So now you're going to be the guy at the very top of every depth chart across the league. So you could – every time you scan, you could just see my name. You might just <laughs> you shout out from here. You know what I mean? Just anything. You know, just you see it, boom, shout out. Like, That's awesome. In. Well, man, hopefully between – now in that game, we get a little more clarity. You get a little more clarity, and you can just kind of get right back to ball. But I appreciate you sitting down during camp, man, you know, in that res room. Mac, Mark Scott Mac, you're at Mac. If you weren't sick of Mac stuff. before training camp was done, you are now, man. You've, you've had overload <laughs> from us. 